Amen. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It's funny to finish our series at the beginning of a book, at the beginning of Mark's Gospel. We're at the end of a series called Gospel Mixtape. Now, I had to do a little uh, word search on mixtape as uh, Johnny sent me through the title of the series thinking, mixtape? Have I missed something here? That word has escaped my vocabulary in all my life and uh, you'll be surprised because I did, uh, I did grow up in the 80s. I was born in the 70s. And so here's a mixtape. If you're anything like me, John Ventris has got his head down because he knows exactly what a mixtape is. Um, but for those of you that don't know what a mixtape is, this is a mixtape. It's favourite pieces of music compiled onto a cassette tape in one place. You saw the, uh, there, well, there it is down there, you saw uh, the image. So think now about your favourite music. If you could have 12 songs, you've got this on your Spotify playlist. I'm sure, but what would they be your favourite few? I think I'd go somewhere to U2 for one, Coldplay for another, Simon and Garfunkel, they'd get one, Beatles maybe, Dire Straits, I'd go to them. What would it be for you to add to your mixtape? And then we'd go to the Gospels and say, right, as Johnny's Astor's out there in the playground, what would be your favourite few passages? that focus your mind and attention on the wonderful truth, the good news of Jesus? What would they be? Where would you go to? Perhaps not even in the Gospels as we've gone, but if we're talking about Gospel truth, you might go to books in the New Testament that help explain exactly what the truth of Jesus is. And over the summer, then the preachers have been able to take one or two, not necessarily of their favourites, but one or two of the key gospel passages from the gospels that help us understand clearly what is the good news. And so over the summer, with an assortment of passages in the gospels, we focused upon Jesus. And whenever you've been around, and uh, I know for some of us we've been away doing different things and on holidays, but whenever you've been around, I hope that you haven't missed the point. And the point simply has been around the good news of Jesus. It's all been about Jesus. And it's such an obvious point because you come to church and you come to town church and if you've been coming for um, years on end, we can say that now. I remember when we counted up the weeks and we we're in week three and week uh, seven and 52 and, and now we can say years. Then that's an obvious point to say that it's all been about the good news. It's all been about Jesus. It's such an obvious point, but don't let the obvious obscure the reality. At the end of a summer of perhaps load of action, or perhaps a very ordinary summer, whether you're feeling upbeat, excited about the future, or pretty low, whether you're consumed with issues and worry, or you're feeling light and excited, whether you go into a new term full of promise or full of dread, We need to come back to basics. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about the good news. Coming back to basics. This term, I've started managing a football team. Buell Park Rangers under eights. Look out for them. They could go places. (laughs) 
we've had a first training session. As the boys run around, we're trying to teach them the very basics. What does it look like to control a ball? What does it look like to pass a ball? I've not been coaching them any overhead kicks. Not yet. That will come, of course. Um, But it's all about the basics. And this summer, we just said, here are the basics. The gospel. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about gospel truth. And here's the hope that as we close this series together, it gives us right perspective again. It helps us to fight indwelling sin. It helps us to be alert for the enemy still prowls around like a lion ready to devour. What has this gospel mixtape series done for you? Mark, here he is. Mark, a man thought to be an eyewitness of Jesus. Widely understood that Mark was the author with information supplied by Peter. And as we see Mark 1 verse 1, we know very quickly what Mark is all about. He's the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of of God. That's how Mark starts his account of the Lord Jesus, of his life, of his teachings, of his death, of his resurrection. And where we get to in verse 14, if the beginning of the good news of Jesus, therefore, is all about John the Baptist in the first 13 verses paving the way, if you like, that's the start of the first, first, the first 13 verses of John 1. It's all about John the Baptist paving the way, the starter Verse 14 kicks into the main course. Now Mark changes tact. After John was put in prison, we get that. The beginning of the good news of Jesus is about John the Baptist paving the way. But after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Two questions for us. This afternoon, first question. What is the good news of God? Here's Jesus. He went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. What is the good news of God? The good news there, the word gospel. It is the word gospel. And it's used to announce important news. What is the gospel of God? What is the good news of God? Gentile readers would have recognised the word and the point that Mark is making. Behold, here comes a new king. An emperor-like figure. Here he is. But it's Jesus who's proclaiming the gospel, the good news. It's Jesus who's proclaiming this important declaration. What is it? What is the good news? It's that God still reigns because his kingdom is coming. We need to hear that today. We've needed to come back to that over the past 18 months with COVID, that God still reigns. God is on his throne. There's nothing outside of the control of God at this time. He's all powerful. He's sovereign in every way. He's in charge. He's in control. He reigns. And if God still reigns, 
then what Jesus is ushering in is saying that his new kingdom, his kingdom is near. And Mark is saying that the time has come, not for you necessarily to know that God is still king over history, as I've just described, but more than that, that God's rule over history is coming to a point that's time to usher in his new kingdom. And that's his kingly rule. And it will be brought in a new way. Look what he's going to do. He's going to set wrongs to right. He's going to bring healing to the nations. He will correct injustice to bring people back to God. He will deal with hearts of stone. The Old Testament points time and time again to those big headings. And here was Jesus. A prophet pointing to his own coming. What the people are hoping for. All would be well when Messiah comes. If you've enjoyed watching the Chosen series, as Kerry and I have, they've depicted the coming of Messiah pretty well. The long anticipated arrival of Messiah, a figure of triumph and victory, that was Messiah. And here's Mark's surprise at the end of the story. At the beginning, Mark records Jesus announcing his own arrival, ushering in the new kingdom. And Mark's surprise at the end of the story, the king of the Jews is lifted high. He's lifted for all to see, but he's powerless. And he's been betrayed. And he's been deserted by his very few followers. And he's been humiliated and flogged and executed on the cross. What Mark is suggesting is beginning through Jesus' words. The kingdom of God, no less, finally arrives in shameful crucifixion of the man Jesus of Nazareth. It's absurd. It's shocking. It's contrary to every picture of Messiah that every Jew would have had at the time. And I think it's still so hard for me to grasp. Still so hard for us to grasp. Even after years of knowing it. It's so hard for me to get that Jesus is ushering in his kingdom. It's all about the rescue plan for individual selves, for individual sinful hearts to be brought back to God. See what the new kingdom is all about? The new kingdom is a change of the state of the human heart. Away from living for and serving ourselves to living for and serving our maker. And the only way that that was possible was for the laying down of his life in the place of ours. Johnny said it well as he welcomed us in with that quote. This isn't a place of self-help. This isn't a place of people that have got it sorted that are just going to be boosted with a bit of Red Bull to be filled up for the week ahead. It's nothing like that. This is what church is. It's a gathering 
of like-minded individuals who recognise their sinful hearts. Who recognise their need to be rescued from themselves and have recognised that Jesus is the only way possible to stand before the maker of all. And to be rescued by him. Knowing that it had, that it, 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 it had to take God the Father sacrifice so great of his son to bring me back to him. Listen to these words from Paul Tripp. I am required to face the fact like every other sinner. My default craving is for what I find comfortable, enjoyable and exciting. That's my default. It takes almighty power to free us from the depth of our self-allegiance. Your saviour has rescued you from you, is rescuing you from you, and will continue to rescue you from you until the rescue is no longer needed. That's the new kingdom. Jesus dealing with my sinful heart. And this is why this is good news. Not just good news, but great news. It's a rescue from myself. It's a rescue from my heart bent on self. It's a rescue, therefore, from the judgment that awaits self. A new kingdom, state of heart, as the new king comes to make the change possible. A complete transformation. And you see at Town Church Bista, that's why we'll continue to make gospel telling our priority. Because I forget it so easily. We forget so very easily and life becomes comfortable. Churches are coming together to remind ourselves of the new kingdom with the new king ruling our hearts. That is the good news. Second question, what is a true response? Well, look again at Mark 1. Verse 14 and 15. What is a true response? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Here's a true response. Repent and believe the good news. We know this, right? Don't we know this to be true? This isn't new news. This is old news, but it's not always the reality. How very often this new transformation doesn't doesn't seem to be our current experience. Is that right? It's right for me. I don't feel new very often. I don't live like I've been transformed. I don't think differently about things than before I became a Christian. I I don't care that I'm not different. Church seems to be a drag sometimes. Feels like duty. We all feel like that at times. Of course we do. And so where we know that repent and believe is right and it's true, my guess is if you're anything like me, it's not always reality. So what does it look like to repent And to believe. Let's get this straight. As Jesus says, here's the time of ushering in the new kingdom. 
for the transformation of the new heart, for the new heart. True repentance looks like this. The act of forgiveness, it happens once and for all. Let's get this straight. The act of forgiveness happens once and for all. When I trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, I've been justified. It's a a status change. The old has gone and the new has come. I've been given a new heart to follow him. I was an enemy of his and now I'm his friend because of the death of Jesus. It's a status change. The act of forgiveness happens once and for all. And yet the need to ask for forgiveness daily is vital. We hear that from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray. Pray daily for the forgiveness of sins. So a need to ask for forgiveness daily. It's not for a status change daily. That's been done. That's been dealt with. But it's for a living relationship of honesty and truth to enable me to live for Jesus every day and to love him. The example of marriage. You'll have heard this. I'm married to Kerry. Every time I say something wrong or do something stupid, which she would say is quite often, I would have to second that. I don't need to remarry her every day. You, you get that, right? We're married. But it's so good for our relationship and our mission to live for Jesus and to love each other to do that, that I'm saying sorry regularly, however hard that is, and it's hard. And she's doing likewise. Our status as a married couple does not change, but the relationship grows and benefits from that. We'll come a little bit later to communion. And we're going to focus in on what a heart of continued repentance looks like. Understanding that a status change has already happened, not seeking for that, but desiring to live for the Lord Jesus with Nothing in between. And it's a daily battle to keep recognising my new state and yet acknowledging my old sinful habits as they continue to wait to rage war against my new heart. That's the battle going on. Let me give you a, a moment just on your own to see where you land on that. A status change has happened when you've asked God for forgiveness. And yet Jesus encourages us daily to say sorry, to ask for forgiveness. Where are you at with God on that one? Let me give you a moment to think that through. Listen to what Milton Vincent has to say, page 11. Some of you will recognise this as a book that we read, uh, I think, the, the second year uh, of Town Church. Um, here's what Milton says. He says, My daily need, need is the title. The gospel is so foolish, according to my natural wisdom. It's so scandalous, according to my conscience, and so incredible, according to my timid heart. That it is a daily battle to believe the full scope of it as I should. 
There is simply no other way to compete with the forebodings of my conscience, the condemnings of my heart, and the lies of the world and the devil than to overwhelm such things with daily rehearsings of the gospel. We're to keep rehearsing the gospel in whatever ways work for us as individuals. We'll always push and promote you to get Bible open. Force the pages of the Bible open. Not because your status is changed if you do or you don't. But because it helps when you're listening to God's voice as an individual. When you can do that in your quiet times. Do that daily. We'd always as a church encourage you to memorise verses that keep the gospel fresh for you. What are your go-to verses to remember To keep remembering who you were, who you are now, what Christ has done for you, what it looks like to live for him. Perhaps for a new term you might do that. Memorise six verses that help you grasp the gospel afresh. I would encourage you to set up a new playlist on Spotify of songs saturated in gospel truth. What are your six go-tos for the autumn term? Do it. Keep rehearsing the gospel. There are several and more things that you could do as an individual. What does it look like as a church to keep rehearsing these gospel truths to each other? To repent, first and foremost. To keep repenting. And then continue to believing as a church. And would ask you coming into an autumn term as the summer has died down. Make Sunday a priority. Going into a new season. Keep coming to town church for your encouragement and the encouragement of others. We'll keep attempting to preach the gospel, to keep preaching gospel truth, conviction and encouragement, rebuking, training as we open up God's word and say, how does the gospel affect us through the teaching of his word? How does it continue to change us? In home groups, in growth groups, we'll spend time applying God's word to everyday life. That's how we'll do it. We'll keep coming back to the basics. No overhead kicks, just control and pass. Let's keep coming back to what is true. And look, we're sure to meet some characters along the way, aren't we? Reading Pilgrim's Progress, which I know many of you have done this summer. We're sure to meet some worldly wise men. We're sure to meet sloth and presumption. We're sure to meet formalists and hypocrisy on the way. We just hold up a mirror. And we'll find ourselves in tough places this term too. Hills of difficulty, vanity fairs. Doubting castles, and so it continues. Yet, what enables us to continue to believe? To repent and believe. That's how we continue to usher in the new kingdom. The state of our heart has been changed, and yet there's more as I continue to grow in my relationship with the Lord Jesus. How do we continue? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says this as we finish. For we live by faith, not by sight. We continue trusting. I need you to help me continue. We continue believing. Hopefully you need us and the eldership to continue believing and continue to repent 
continue to grow to become more like Jesus. And as we do that, then we see his church grow. As others join. As they repent and believe too. We're going to sing a song that reminds us of what a thankful heart looks like when we come face to face with gospel truths. I think we're at the place of standing and singing, yeah? With masks on. That's where we're at at the moment. Stand, sing, with masks on. Chris is the only one without a mask. Um, Let's go for it and then we'll take communion uh, after that.